Boot scooters and giddy-up gals. Check your bedroll for scorpionators. Virtuously victimize the vehicular varmints. And I always put seven bullets in my six-shooter. Because it's time to talk dull to me. <laughs> okay. It's a That's my message. rattlesnake. <laughs> that, oh, yeah, yeah. This message from the snake in my boot. <laughs> Welcome back. I am Omen Thomas Sade still. And I am also Nick McGill. Together we are Les Mums Sans Fake. And this is Talk Tell to Me. A high stakes poker hand at the Prague Rock Saloon in which next day's ride will be no cakewalk Nick and over yonder they still eats people Omen will drive each and every horned and hoof track that rantankerous rock band Jethro Tull have ever branded with red-hot pizzicato pokers to the podcast corral. We will dance the Durango with Mr. Doan Perry, boil a bucket full of beans with Martin Barr, and demand that Dave Pegg plug us full of lead. And if we can draw the jumping jack out of the deck we may have a chance for a full flute hand of jocular jokers played against ian anti-fogmatic anderson who always has his holsters full of piccolos (laughs) nick hi i just got back from france how are you doing uh i'm i'm well I'm well. If you would like to know the horror story behind that opening, uh, you can subscribe to the Patreon and get full access to the video and the uncut version of why that just crashed and burned. It crashed and burned like a train. What was going off the rails down west of Albuquerque? So you veered all over the place on that one, like a train. So, yes, Omen is back from France. He took a two-week vacay. His actual It'll never happen again. official, what it, what's it called? Oh, honeymoon. His actual official honeymoon, even yeah. though it's been three, two years, three years? It's been three years, but we finally were able to take the honeymoon. And, and we had so much fun that I have decided, declared, infinite honeymoon. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. I read the rule book of marriage, and, and there was nothing in there that said you can't indefinitely extend the honeymoon forever perfect perfect you'll just do it from florida instead of france well i'll do it from everywhere oh fair enough nick before i left we recorded our episode about the first track off of rock island correct we did the album from 1989 that was my guess Mm -hmm. now we are jumping into the very second track from this album Correct. Which is excitingly entitled Rattlesnake Trail. That it is. That it is. It is the Rattlesnake Trail, everybody. Before we jump into Rattlesnake Trail, let's tidy up this whole campsite. I've just got a little housekeeping that I would like to do. Just kind of uh, random bits and pieces. So I was listening to classical music to fall asleep to and read to one night. I couldn't even tell you how long ago it was, but I I emailed myself. And on (laughs) it, why is that funny? I don't know. I've never, I rarely email myself. You don't, I email myself notes 
Uh, all the time. That shocks me 0%. <laughs> anyway, I think the last episode we talked about, I think we speculated about about why the band did not attend Woodstock. I think we we tried to figure it out. We, we kind of thought it was, was like drugs or partying or the sexy times, things like that. We'd found a note online alluding to the fact that they were uncomfortable with the kind of scene, yeah. Yeah, right, right. So I, let's see, somebody in the Discord, forgive me, I don't remember who. Again, it was a while ago. I e- emailed myself 12 days ago this, so it was a while ago. Someone posted the full Dan Rather video that dropped... Uh, like two years ago at this point, I think, when he officially announced that he had COPD. Right. In there, in that interview, he actually talks about Woodstock, about Dan Rather asks them why they didn't attend Woodstock. His answer, the politic answer, is he thought that they just weren't ready. They were just too young. They hadn't really given themselves enough of a brand that if they were there they'd forever be identified as a Woodstock band or as the Woodstock band. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think it's also because he was afraid of naked ladies. Dear Nick, I emailed you several pictures of a naked lady recently. Why have you not responded? (laughs) I shall continue to send you pictures of naked ladies until you respond. Mom, stop emailing me. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, on the episode that dropped today, Me Dinosaur... Yes. On the Instagram, Oscar Lakos writes in and says, a note on uh, when we're talking at 1225, we're talking about time signatures. He says, Ian counts to four, but that doesn't mean the song is in four, four time. We usually do the count in to four regardless of the actual time signature. Hmm. The count in only serves to give the players the correct tempo. They already know the time signature, so they don't need it. Having listened to the song now, the synth intro is in 9-8. It's very Celtic, very jiggy. And when the band comes in and the beat starts, it's in 4-4. It is quite tricky because Martin plays the beat one ahead of time, out of sync with the bass drum, which creates a cool offbeat feel to the song. Yeah, that that is really interesting. And a good point, just because you count in one, two, three, four, doesn't mean anything in terms of the time signature, absolutely. Right. You just, you automatically know, okay, we start after four. It's right. It's the, it's giving you the tempo. That's all. Yes. Fabulous. Yeah. Thanks everybody for writing in. We'll, we'll touch a little bit more on our halfway. Um, But for now. I've finished this bag of oats and I am raring to go. So why don't we trot on down the rattlesnake trail? Take off your feed bag, put on your headphones. Put on your poop bag. I, I never take that off. (laughs) <laughs> that comes off? Okay, let's have a listen. <laughs> oh my. Oh my stars and garters. Oh my, Nick. That was that was Rattlesnake Trail, Omen. We're supposed to suck the poison out of the wound, right? I don't know. Is that apocryphal? I I feel like I've heard that that like doesn't actually do anything. It's always been my go-to pickup line in bars. Oh, maybe that's right. And you don't pee on a jellyfish sting because that's my go-to pickup and that never works. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the old, um, 
One of the old comics had a line about, um, in case of a snake bite, I always carry a small flagon of whiskey. And just to be sure, I always carry a small snake. You quoted this already. Was that uh, Rodney Dangerfield? Yes, that yeah. was him. That was him. Yeah. That was Rattlesnake Trail. That it was. Oh. Nick, it's a four-minute song just over. Yeah, just like almost four on the nose. Four on the floor, four on the nose. I texted you from France that a lot of this album does appear to be in regular time, either 884422, something like that. And this song is no exception. Do we know who is playing on this song? Because it was a little bit of a, a rotating cast of drummers. Correct. Yeah, let me pull that up. I think, if I remember correctly, two was an Ian joint. I could be wrong. Oh, it, it is two and seven. So track uh, Rattlesnake Trail is Ian on drums, percussion, drum machine. I mean, it doesn't Fairlight. say drum machine. It doesn't say Fairlight on there. We've got Synclavier, drums, percussion, keyboards. Could be anything. Okay, so this is this is one of those tracks that Ian is providing the percussion for. We do not have Mr. Doan Perry on this particular song. Correct. The rest of the cast presumably is as follows. Well, I mean, there's not much. There's Martin Barr on guitar, Dave Pegg on bass, and Martin Alcock doesn't show up on keyboards except for one in yep. 10, and Peter John Vitesse doesn't show up on, on keyboards until three and six. So this is, this is really a trio. It's a trio. And wow, what an amazing amount of sound they're able to get. One of the things that struck me about the song is that the layering is really fun. There are a lot of moments where you have the guitar overlapping with Ian's voice, overlapping with the flute, overlapping with a vibra slap, that yeah. sound, which we're kind of thematically relating to the rattlesnake. On the rattlesnake trail. Overlapping with another guitar. I think there's multiple times where there's electric underneath and then Martin stinging on top of that. Yeah, definitely. So a very layered track, a very thrusty track, a very driving yes. track. It really, it kind of like, it doesn't give you time to catch your breath or realize that it's only three people playing the instruments. No, absolutely. It convinces you otherwise. You could really like white dad dance to this. It is a very white dad song. I'll give you that. Yeah. But not in a bad way. Like if this, I feel like I'm seeing this come on at the family barbecue and White Dad is just like, oh, mm, yeah, oh, I'm a rattlesnake. It's the song that they put on the mix just for him because he doesn't right. like any of the other crap that comes <laughs> And on. everyone else is like, oh, God. At my dad's wedding, he put on two Jethro Tull songs, Songs from the Wood and I think Aqualung, just for me. They, that's, they came on. The dance floor emptied and nobody was there and then i <laughs> there's actually an old video of me lip-syncing songs from the wood with raven and she just looks over i've seen that video yeah over, yeah <laughs> i would not be mad to hear this song out in public i would groove to this this is it's it's great it's got a real this is, we're kind of in an era where you know this is the what did we just listen to what was before this in the timeline oh the actual was crest okay so this is the crest Catfish, Rock Island, what I kind of consider a little bit of a moment, a little bit of a, not really a trio in the sense that they have that much to do with each other, but they have some thematic relations. Sonically, definitely. I think we can see that evolution. These albums, to me, 
have a little bit of an American edge to them. There's a lot of kind of odes or fantasies on America, whether it's real America or imagined America. We'll talk more about this as we dive into the lyrics, but if we just take the, the title Rattlesnake, the rattlesnake is a creature that only appears in the Americas. There are no rattlesnakes in Europe, Asia, Africa, Australia, none of them. So they only appear in, the majority of the species occur in the American Southwest and in, and in Mexico. So automatically the title puts us in that kind of American land. Mm-hmm. And the vibe of the music feels very like, blue collar rock and roll, get off your motorbike and yeah. have a beer with me. And I like it. But it works, it's great. And it still has that Jethro Tull feeling to it because of the way that it's presented and the the cleverness with the scansion. Yeah, right. Even Ian trying to replicate, trying to pull off that American sound, you know, for lack of a better term. Yeah. It's still like decidedly Ian with the the oohs and the ahs and the layering of his voice and things like that. It is. And I do feel like he kind of captures the spirit of it, even if he can't capture the exact sound of it. Mm. You know, there is an Americanness to it or kind of a, again, it's like fantasy America. Yeah. There was one line where it, to me, is a little bit of a preview of a sound that we hear later. Gonna come out from the night, get my second sight, play it rough, you know what I mean. That, to me, reminds me of the vocal quality of uh, Raising Steam. Yeah, yeah. I may not be coming back. He has that kind of like, it's a new, it's a little bit of a new sound that he's experimenting with. Yeah. This is the first time that I've clocked it chronologically. Yeah, that's a good call. It's very similar. Yeah. It's the transition to the 90s sound. Yeah, right. A little talky, a little... Well, right now, like present day, the talky is like raspy old man, Ian. And then he sings a little bit. Like here, he's just... He's still like really pushing. We can see his voice is still really, really high at times. But every now and then we do get that, like that dichotomy of, of I'm going to talk now. Yeah, it's a great. It's a lovely sound. Martin's solo, he has some brilliant runs of probably our 30-second notes that mm-hmm. kind of playing with the arpeggios there. Rattlesnake trail. Fun stuff reminding us that this isn't just some beer and brats band from the neighborhood dads. It, it really is a professional gig here. Yeah, I think that breakdown, it's, it's just before two. And I, I really missed that sound, that breakdown, everybody just go and rock for a little bit. Martin's guitar here is a precursor to our catfish sound. It really does smack of catfish to me. And it, it's so? I'm really looking forward to it. Just there are times where, let me see if I can find something. It's very heavily on the overdrive, I feel. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Right? Kind of grungy, chunky. I feel like at this point in his career, he's starting to play with not just the sounds of, oh, when I play these notes, 
I'm going to play these notes, but I'm going to have it on overdrive. Mm -hmm. He's actually playing with the overdrive sounds themselves as Mm. new notes. That's the instrument. He's surpassed the guitar. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, he has. He is now playing the guitar system. (laughs) It's like when you play a clarinet, you're not just playing the reed. Yeah, right. The reed is making the sound, and you are interpreting that sound through the clarinet. Right, so the guitar is the reed, you're saying. That's what I'm saying. I don't know if it's a good idea that I said it, but here we are. It's like the 80s movie Lawnmower Man, which was... I I, (laughs) (laughs) have not thought about that in a long time. Which I think was supposed to be based on Flowers for Algernon, now that I think about it. But he eventually, like, goes into the computer and controls the computer, and Martin has has entered the guitar and the guitar being like capital T, capital G guitar, like every guitar. He is the ghost haunting the guitars of the world. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He is the spirit. He's the guitar spirit. Yeah. Wow. Lawnmower man. (laughs) That's a a Pierce Brosnan, very early Pierce Brosnan, believe it or not. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 Wow. We should do an eighties film podcast. That'd be a lot of fun. There'd be a lot of films. There'd be a lot of shitty movies. <laughs> it would just be, it would just be our version of Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Oh yeah, kind of. Yeah, I'm I'm good with that. Very much so. Mom's 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 Science Theater three thousand. Mom's Science Theater three thousand. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, anything else to say musically on this track? I mean, this could be either or music or lyric, but Ian's. Ian's vocal ejects in the background. Been a while yes. since we've had those. The, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, it tickles me. It's very nice, very fun. You know what? It's evolved. I feel like back when we were listening to Under Wraps and that era, mm-hmm. the ejects felt a little not forced. But like yeah. they were so new to the world that they hadn't. It was like, oh, 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 what's happening, Ian? <laughs> and now, and then he was like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to roll that out again. And now it feels like they've settled and he's he's interpreted them through this kind of American sound. And it's mm. like, oh yeah, it's, oh yeah, cool, get it, Daddyo. There's a smoother presentation to it. It just feels right. Not that those from under wraps felt wrong per se, but they they stuck out enough that it it was remarkable. They felt too good. Yeah. <laughs> my doctor said I had to stop. I, my heart couldn't take it. <laughs> I just want to listen to the drums uh, a little bit. I feel like there may have been some help from the drum machine on this track. Just because the drums are so regular, and I'm not saying that Ian doesn't have the capacity to play the drums in a regular fashion. Of course Mm. he does. He could do anything. Yeah. But I detect the hand of technology in the drum track for this. And the drums are doing exactly what they need to for this song. Yeah. But they're very... Doom, daka doom, daka doom, daka doom, daka doom, daka daka daka. The exact same that we heard on an entire album filled with Drumatron, it works. I hear it, it works, it's doing what it needs to do, but it does lack that soul. 
And there's so much else going on. The trio is bringing it so hard mm-hmm. that for me, it, I don't clock it in the same way that I did with the other album, with other instances of using the drum tracks. And maybe Drumatron has has evolved a little bit. I do think that the manicness really does help there. I think it, yeah. it does. It is doing the job. It's really doing the job of the bass, I think, here, in, in that it's it's the unnoticeable backbone. You know, I almost wonder if he could have sampled it. I was just listening. I just got, I got myself a treat. You know how I like my little treats. When I ordered myself a limited edition reprint of Sex Packets, the first album of Digital Underground. That's what octopuses do when they they hand off sex packets, I believe, <laughs> to breed. I believe so. I think that's what it's called. What? Anyway. What, sex packets? Yeah, they, they hand over like a, a packet of sperm or a packet of eggs, I think. I think that's... Anyway, <laughs> at any rate, um, they they do, they they do a lot of sampling, and it's from what year is Sex Packets from? I feel like it's ninety one, maybe. Anyway, similar similar era, and and of course, you know their their outfit is all about sampling different sounds. It's so mm. fabulous how they do it. I love them so much. But Ian could have gone into the studio and laid down a couple of different drum tracks, and then said, "Ah, I really like that one time that I hit the drum. That individual beat. I'm going to take that and repeat it. Ooh, I like that element." Mm-hmm. You know, not being a professional drummer, I like that one time that I got a good sound quality. I'm going to put that in and then just created it from there. He could have done that with the technology that, that existed at the time. I don't know that he did, but just kind of curious. Yeah, it's it's interesting to speculate. I mean, mostly because we probably won't get much of a, a, a definitive answer on it. Also, because it's it's so darn difficult to pull out that drum and, and really try to figure it out. I think I'm going to after this. It's, it is a worthy challenge, but yeah, yeah. I think it's, it works, does what it needs to do. 1990 sex packets. Okay. So right after same exact era. Absolutely. The album is a concept album about GSRA, genetic suppression, relief antidotes, a pharmaceutical substance that is produced in the form of a large glowing pill about the size of a quarter, which comes in a condom-sized package and is allegedly developed by the government to provide intended users such as astronauts with satisfying sexual experiences in situations where the normal attainment of such experiences would be counterproductive to the mission at hand. It's a great album. That's intense. That's I was not expecting that. And really, really the second half of the album is about that. The first half is just some sick beats, including the Humpty Dance. It's about the indigent people because they saw a homeless man and took a picture of him and wrote a song about it. That's an Aqualung reference. Oh, oh, Aqualung, I've heard of that, by Jethro Tull. Yes, yeah, 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 we should talk about them. I can't wait to until we review Jethro Tull's album, Sex Hammer. Sex trains. Is that (laughs) all right? Here we are, Omen, halfway through. As it has been so long since we've spoken, we've had a little (laughs) bit of a backup of correspondence actually here. Our mail sacks are full of correspondence and we have to release them. Our mail packets. Yeah, Nick, what do we have in the way of correspondences? We're going to cover two today. First one comes from Return Writer Inner, good old Folky Phil. 
Folky, Folky Phil, Phil, how lovely to hear from ye. He begins, ahoy, Nick and Omen. I've just listened to the last pod in Verness Sleeper, and it's a fab show about a rediscovered gem of a song. I loved your observations about the liminal space of long distance travel, the disconnect between the travelers and the places they travel through, and how the journey becomes a separate entity, a shared but publicly private experience in its own bubble of existence, very evocative. It strikes me that Inverness Sleeper is the long distance companion to Journeyman, an intercity version of the late night commuter madness experienced on the more local trains of the latter song. Oh, I love it. At the time of writing Inverness Sleeper, Ian was living part-time on Sky and regularly commuting between there and his main home in the south of England, using the train and often, presumably, the overnight sleeper service. The train departed Euston Station in London and traveled via the West Coast Main Rail Line via Birmingham to Glasgow and then far north. There's also an East Coast Main Rail Line, which has a terminus at King's Cross Station in London and goes north via Newcastle-upon-Tyne to Edinburgh and beyond. Why two lines? It goes back to the days of Victorian railway mania with independent private companies building express lines, literally competing to serve the lucrative London to the North routes linking Scottish destinations and Northern English cities to the UK capital. Wow. While in the 1980s the train might have been heading to Inverness, it's unlikely that Ian would have gone all the way, as Inverness is in the northeast and Skye is in the west. The two are about 100 miles apart, a long way in the Highlands. Ian would most likely have changed at Glasgow, taken the beautiful West Highland Line, sailed the ferry over the sea to Skye, and then been collected by car for the rest of the journey to Stethern. No doubt getting caught up in streams of tourist traffic as dedicated in the opening lines to Broadford Bazaar. Ah, it all comes together. It's a long journey, you know, just to get home. Right, yeah. And it makes sense if Inverness was the last stop, was the northern terminus of that train, it makes sense to call it the Inverness sleeper, even if you don't go all the way there. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And finally, you wondered whether there's an airport in Inverness. There has been since 1946. And today there are regular flights to and from London, but that would still leave a long drive to Sky. And in the 80s, there was not then a road bridge to the island, another ferry needed, and flying would have been much more expensive than rail travel. According to Wikipedia, airlines struggled to make the London-Inverness route profitable in the 80s, and several tried and failed to run a regular service. The train was the default choice for long-distance travel into the 90s and the arrival of budget airlines like EasyJet. I'm pleased to say that the sleeper train is making a strong comeback in Europe now, although for ecological rather than economic reasons. There's actually been a law passed somewhere, I think it may be the EU, so this may not affect England anymore, but there is some legislation afoot which says if a, if a flight would be less than a certain number of miles, if a flight could be replaced by a train ride that is less than a certain number of hours, yeah, you can't run the flight. You have to allow the trains to take to do that. Yeah. So, which is great. The, oh my gosh. Yeah. I texted you a video of the train that we took from Nice up to Paris. Yeah. 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 You can make it really comfortable. And going what? Like over 200 miles an hour? I think I posted the video on the Instagram or the picture on Instagram. Yeah. yeah about, I think about 225 miles an yeah. hour or something along, along those lines. Bonkers. 
so nice, so on time. And after spending eight hours on a flight coming back, I would have rather spent 12 hours on a comfortable train. Did you feel the motion at all? Like, could you tell? I mean, obviously you weren't like pressed back into your seat, but like, could you feel that you were just rocking? No, it's very smooth. It wasn't like an Amtrak train where you're like, yeah, it's got, the worst. Uh, uh, ooh, in 1859, somebody sneezed while putting in this rail and nobody's <laughs> done anything about it. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, you can feel a certain vibration, mm-hmm. but it's not, it doesn't feel clunky. It feels like somebody designed a nice piece of infrastructure. Imagine that. That's very fascinating. And executed it and funded it. That's very cool. And finally, my dear Momes, have you seen, heard the newly released Alternative Mixes version of the Rock Flute album? I usually struggle to tell much of a difference between music mixes, but I've heard of this very distinct and harder hitting than the official release. I like it. But what will they have left to release for the 50th anniversary in 2073? Cheerio, Folky Phil. (laughs) Folky Phil, a pleasure as always to hear from you. Your description of the comparison of Inverness Sleeper to Journeyman is utterly poetic and really an excellent comparison that is absolutely, I think, worth having read. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Folky Phil. Great insights as usual. Great info on the European infrastructure that we just do not have. And thank you for doing the legwork of looking at Wikipedia when we could have, but didn't. (laughs) <laughs> and one more real quick email. Another return writer in her. This is from Greggy K. Let's fall into the K-hole with Greggy. I really wanted to read this one on this episode because this falls chronologically, probably when you and Greggy K were in the same area. Hi, Momes. Greggy K here. I just returned from a lovely trip to Europe on a long overdue vacation. While in my Paris hotel, the woman porter taking care of my bags went absolutely crazy upon seeing my Talk Tall to Me sticker I had placed on my bag for easier identification in luggage claim. She wanted to know everything about where I got it, as she's a huge Tall fan and she insisted that she should have one too. She was conversant in English, but I struggled to convey the concept of a podcast about our favorite band as I'm totally unconversant in French. Anyhow, I wrote down all the information about your wonderful show and told her how she could contact you. So if you get some random email from France requesting one of your stickers, I hope you might have one still lying around and might send it off to her. I didn't get her name. Failed again. Podcasts are actually illegal in France. That must be, yeah. In response to Zealot Jean and Roqueflute, I was being a and steadfastly ignoring these new releases for any number of stupid and pig-headed reasons, mostly relating to the lack of Martin Barr. A a very valid reason. However, after listening to your wonderful reviews of each and every track, I went ahead and purchased the albums and am truly loving them both now. Perhaps you'll be able to sway my opinion on Thick as a Brick 2 as well. Time will tell. Thank you for a wonderful show. All the best. Greggy, I hope you had wonderful travels in Paris. Uh, maybe we passed each other on the street. Maybe we gazed at each other longingly across a dimly lit cafe. But in any case, uh, <laughs> thank you for introducing the the good people of France to the podcast through this lady porter in Paris. Who knows? Who knows what may happen? Uh, and I'm sure we can send her a sticker if she so requests it. If she reaches out. And glad that you're listening to the to the new stuff. It, it really is lovely. I will admit it took me some time to get over 
not having Martin there, but I'm glad that I was forced to do so by virtue of having <laughs> decided to do this podcast yeah. 100 <laughs> yeah. years ago. Florian is passing fair on Zealot Gene. It's not a very guitar-heavy album, doesn't need to be, so it's okay. But JPJ on rock flute really rocks that flute. He's really solid. He gives us the ah-ooh sensation. Yeah. I feel vibrations in my sensations. Nick, welcome back to the second half of the podcast. We saved this part in some parchment paper in the back of the fridge in case we got hungry. It's a bit dry, but I think it'll make it. That's never stopped us before. <laughs> Nick, let's talk about rattlesnakes. Have you ever seen one in the wild? I have seen one in a zoo, so no. Okay. Was it wild? It was a wild rattlesnake. Okay, I'll take it. Not a domesticated rattlesnake, so. Did we eat rattlesnake? We have consumed rattlesnake, yes. You got rattlesnake at the Scribe and Meat Market, and we ate it after barbecuing it. Was the, Yeah, is that what, the one when we grilled it? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, it that's was, right, because uh, we didn't eat it at the Moam camping trip, so it had to have been then. Yeah. yeah. It had a lot of small bones, but otherwise a pretty nice flavor. Pretty good. Oh, a white meat, very, very mellow. Rattlesnakes are all vipers. I assume that has something to do with the shape and distribution of their of their venomous teeth. I think it's the head too. Yeah, yeah. And they have uh, they have a rattle on the end of their tails, which they vibrate to make a, a distinct sound, which is supposed to scare off predators. But they rarely bite unless you provoke them. So, so if you see a, a rattlesnake in the wild, don't provoke it. Listen to the rattle and GTFO. Because it's, it's very calorically costly to attack and risk getting hurt and to produce and inject venom. They want to save that for prey, plain and simple. So the rattle is like, I don't want to have to do this. Please don't make me do this. Yeah. Okay, this is going down. The rattle is the equivalent of an Italian guy from New Jersey when you move the wrong way in a club and he's like, don't make me. I don't even wanna. Hey, don't make me get out my fists. It's the, the rattle guido. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about rattlesnake, rattle, rattlesnake trail. As we alluded to, this is kind of in the American fantasy, the American yeah. Western cowboy fantasy. There's an Americana feel to it. Some of these lyrics befuddle me a little bit. And and I guess what I'm what I struggle with with this is it feels more like a literally like when you have a fantasy in classical music, you take one theme and then you take that theme and you adapt it seven different ways and you you really break it down and it's not like a themes and variations like Bach would do, where it's all very mathematical and in, in every single variation, you know exactly where the original is. Mm. In a fantasy, it's more like, oh, I feel how this relates to the original and now, and I know we're going to come back to the original, but we've gone pretty far away from it. Right. This feels like a fantasy on the American cowboy idea, but I am struggling to form a full picture of this song, but maybe we can do that together. A cohesion, yeah. I mean, I'm baffled by the first line. I wear a hair shirt round my shoulder. I wear a hair shirt round my shoulder. Why is he wearing a hair shirt? 
Why is he self-flagellating? Well, let's talk about a hair shirt. A hair shirt is a a shirt that usually has horse hair built into it that is on the inside. You wear it right. directly against your skin. It's very uncomfortable. As you reference, it was worn by monks. Yeah, I think so. And religious acolytes to feel bad physically because right. of God. Because of God, he suffered for our sins. I saw, I saw a meme the other day. If we don't sin, Jesus died for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I, that reminds me i saw i saw this was in french but it was it was a clip from like i don't know what it was but it was this very clearly half drunk frenchman in a beautiful tuxedo at a bar he turns to the camera and he says 40 percent of accidents are caused by alcohol that means that 60 percent of accidents are caused by water drinkers <laughs> That's enormous. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I wear a hair shirt round my shoulder. Got a cold stew in my spoon. I love and I'm that. I'm falling one. on my. Yep, a kind of a reference back to remember days with shillings spent. Yeah, 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 yeah. The image of eating cold stew out of a can. But it's it's a twist. Normally, you'd say I've got a spoon in my cold stew. He spun it around. I've got cold stew yeah. in my spoon. I just, I like the scansion there. That's all. Yeah. And I'm falling on my head, lifting feet of lead. Now it's got me baying at the moon. I wear a hair shirt around my shoulder. Got cold stew in my spoon. I'm falling on my head, lifting feet of lead. Now it's got me baying at the moon. Putting that all together, I wonder if the hair shirt is literal or is meant to be like, I've chosen this hard life of being yeah. a cowboy and now there's no turning back. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That I eat cold stew with a spoon and I work myself to exhaustion. Right. That's driving him to this insanity right. of he's, he's baying at the moon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What I find is interesting about this song is that there are a lot of those little phrases in it that almost feel like he picked them up in various places and was like, oh, I like that. Yeah. Mm, yes, that's good. He filled his diary and then he had to like put them together finally. Right, right, right. Somebody at a gas station was like, well, we gotta do that well, the rabbit's skinned. And he was like, yes, the rabbit's mm. skinned. I should write that. Yeah. <laughs> There's a race on for tomorrow. I'm stretching out for what might have been. Going to come out from the night, get my second sight, play it rough, you know what I mean. Then we shift a little bit, I'm going for the kill, I'm going tooth and nail, up that dusty hill on the rattlesnake trail. I'm going for the kill. The thing that confuses me about this is there's a race on for tomorrow. That that kind of, I stumble over that line. The imagery that I'm getting in this whole thing is that he's walking somewhere, he's doing labor, he's herding cattle, whatever, and every day is a race to get Ooh. as far as possible before you have to call it a night. That's my thought, is that he's basically just racing the sun for whatever it is that he needs to do. Yeah, or he's racing to get somewhere before his supplies run out. Oh, also true, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As we go further on in this song, 
I'm going for the kill, going tooth and nail. I got the law laid down to the left of me, the real world on the right. I start to get the sense of maybe it's less, and I don't think we can definitively say either way, but maybe it's less cowboy and maybe it's more desperado. 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 Despacito. <laughs> First of all, how dare you? <laughs> Desperado. Despacito. I think they can be the same the same hero of the hero's journey. I think they really just fit on one on top of the other. I watched Brokeback Mountain. I think they really can be the same, ultimately the same character. Well, and who hasn't in a working life had that feeling of, yeah, I'm working for the man and getting my pot of beans at the end of the day and selling my soul to the company. But that makes me a badass, lawless kind of criminal in a way. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like there is that sense of like, yeah, I'm out here. I'm, you know, I've chosen this life. I'm living by my own rules, even yeah. if I am on a gig for somebody else. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I'm fighting tooth and nail to make my paycheck. Right. Like I could have worked in an office, but I chose this. And the real significance of this song is not what did the writer mean, but how did the audience in how does the audience interpret yeah. it? And I think that that this song could be interpreted as being relevant to somebody who has a nine to five factory job, who's a truck driver, who's a farmer, who's a an office worker and is listening to this on the subway being like, yeah, I'm going into that office like a rattlesnake. Yeah. You know, it's relevant to the working life, no matter what kind of a background you have. And that's what I think is appealing about it. This could also be an Ian on the road song. Absolutely. The tour. I got song. the law laid down on the left of me, the real world on my right. What's that? Um, what am I thinking of? Stuck in the middle with you. No. Clowns on the right. I think Joker's on the right. I was thinking of that, yeah. Clowns to the left of me. Joker's to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Got the law laid down to the left of me, the real world on the right. Wow. So if you go too far in one direction, you'll get caught by the law. If you go too far in the other direction, there'll be real world consequences, domestic consequences, or civilian consequences. Yeah. So there's a thin line that he's following here. Right. That line is going to be different for everybody. So you you got to find your line. You find your trail. He's heading up through the middle with his cat and his fiddle. Yeah, looking for a fight. Again, it seems like he just took that phrase, cat and the fiddle is yeah. from the, the nursery rhyme. Hey, did a little, the cat and the fiddle, the cow jumped over the moon. The little... Dog laughed to see so much fun, and the dish ran away with the spoon. Wow. I did not remember that. I'm impressed. Thank you. I forgot my own social security number to, to remember that for you, so I hope you're happy. I write that down on every form that requires my social security <laughs> number. <laughs> and they're like, oh, it's this guy. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we get it. We know. There's a bit of romancifying of a life here. Yes. Like you were saying, you can think of being on tour as a musician one way is like, oh, here we go. Here's the slog. I got to sit on the bus and wait for 12 hours as we drive to Sheboygan. Or you sit on the bus and you're writing a song and there goes a cop down on the left side of the highway whipping by on his motorcycle. 
Right. And you're like, whoa, they could have been after us if we did drugs. Yeah. If we did anything illicit at all, slow down the bus. You're above 50. (laughs) I think we're getting close. And with my fiddle, with my cat and my fiddle, that's a very Ian relevant. He loves cats. Mm -hmm. And any instrument could be called a fiddle. It could. Except the fiddle, which has to be called Sally. I mean, it's right. it's thematic. It's like it's like Bon Jovi. I got my six string on my back. You know, that's an old cowboy image. Yeah. My, my six shooter, my six string, and, and Jesus in my heart. <laughs> a rattlesnake in my boot. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to ride hard in bandit country on the blind side of the bend. I'm going to ride Okay, so that makes me think of road tripping. It also it all it kind of makes me think of Ray Lamas. The blind side of the bend is if you have if you have a trail that curves, if you go around the smaller, the closer, the closer, the bendy, the inside of the bend. Thank you. If you go through the inside of the bend, it's faster and you can keep your trajectory better. But if someone is coming around the other side, you're more likely to have a terrible accident and die. Right. Because if, if they're doing that same thing, neither of you will see one another. Which is why you should always honk your horn a little bit before you go around one of those blind bends. Hmm. Did you just make that up? No, that's a common thing. When's the last time you drove around a blind bend like that? Uh, oh, remember last time I was in West Virginia? Oh, yeah, fair enough. Mountain country? Mountain country, yeah, yeah. you gotta do it. I'm going to ride hard in bandit country. I mean, I could imagine that touring in America could feel like, or Eastern Europe could feel like riding hard in bandit country. Right, yeah. Certain geographical zones, it's just tumbleweeds and a dude on a horse. Yeah. But also, again, that appeals to the working person. Oh, yeah, Yeah. I'm going to go out into the wild west of my mechanic shop job. Yeah, you're still in the wild west, but you're also not a bandit. You know, you're the one out there. I'm the good guy. Right, yeah. Or even just the passive guy, per se. You know, you're not doing anything. You're just going out and living that rough life. You know, you're not doing anything to hurt anybody. But you got to watch out for the bandits. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Keep my nose to the wind while the rabbit's skinned. Bed down at journey's end. Be a rattlesnake. Keep my nose to the So now, suddenly, we're not on the rattlesnake trail. We are the rattlesnake. I wonder what we make of that transition. They are survivors of this environment. They're survivors in a harsh environment. They can defend themselves. They're badass. Yeah. They eat an array of small animals. Yeah. They hunt in holes. Are you just looking at rattlesnake facts now? Yeah. <laughs> Interestingly, uh, rattlesnakes are predated upon mostly when they are young and before they're fully developed. Once they're older, not many things eat them. Do roadrunners eat them? I think roadrunners eat some kind of snake, if I remember correctly. Roadrunners eat something. They eat coyotes, actually, oddly enough. (laughs) Rattlesnakes are preyed upon by hawks, weasels, king snakes, and a variety of other species. And humans. Mostly humans. I think probably most of the rattlesnake meat that is sold 
for cons human consumption is farmed. Actually, I don't think people are out there like oh, interesting, like hunting rattlesnakes. Go down to the snake house. Yeah, I don't just carry a bazooka out into the the wild west. Kingfishers, weasels, coyotes, skunks, opossum, uh, roadrunners. They are eaten by roadrunners. Good job. Nice. You get one rattlesnake. Useless information, point number 37. So, and following the train of that how baying at the mood madness, if we kind of say like, oh, this lifestyle is driving me to madness, it appeals to me, this sense of I'm out in this environment I'm so badass that I can survive in this environment. This environment has so many dangers, but I can survive them. One of those dangers is a rattlesnake. I have become one with the rattlesnake. Right. By virtue of surviving like the rattlesnake, I have gained the badge of the rattlesnake. And it's voluntary to be out in that harsh environment. I think that's where the hair shirt comes in. It's like, it's, it yes. is a choice. It's a choice to be out here. Yeah, you have to go tooth and nail if you are going to be out there, but I'm out here and I want to be. Right. And then we have the part of the song that always surprises me because I'm like, oh, yeah, he's become the rattlesnake. The song is done. No, no, no. Three more verses. <laughs> Going to be with wolves in winter, run in angry packs by day. But when you give a dog a bone, he has to be alone, growl, keep the other dogs away. Gonna be with wolves in winter, run in angry packs by day. But when you give the dog a bone, he has to be alone, growl, keep the other dogs away. Bit of a shift of the animal metaphor. Mm-hmm. But why not? No judgment there. No judgment? No judgment. I like the imagery of, yeah, when you give a dog a bone, dogs do kind of do that thing where they're like, I got to eat this over here by myself. Right. Kind of reinforcing the loner, cowboy, desperado, macho man, American, independent sort of thing. Yeah, right. Even if he does spend time with other people running angry packs by day, you know, there's ultimately he's he's looking out for himself. He's protecting himself and his food, his bone. Yeah, got to protect your bone. I learned that in France. I, I thought a lot about, you know, the differences in American culture versus European culture. You know, in America, we're so individualistic. Mm. In Asian countries, for instance, there's so much more of a, a cultural element of collectivism. Mm -hmm. In Europe, it's a bit of a mix. Yeah. It's a bit, yeah, certain things will allow because we know that they benefit the collective. But I also demand and expect the ability to mess up as an individual and experience those consequences. Yeah. Like all the rides at Disney Paris here in the States, all those rides, anything that you like, if you're on the ride, you can't touch anything. You could reach out if you wanted to, but any objects are far beyond the reach of a human being. In Paris, the rides are such that if you don't keep your hands in the moving thing, you can break your arm. That could never happen in America because we're so litigious. Yeah, Americans are dumb. They think, oh, what's that going to do? Ripped off. Right, Gone. right. Yeah. We have to create environments that are safe because we are so individualistic yeah. that it's like, oh, I don't want you to tell me not to put my arm out. Yeah, and then it's your fault that I put my arm out. Exactly. Yeah. But in Europe, it's like, well, do not break your arm. Now you can only smoke with one hand. <laughs> <laughs> we because the government attend on smoker for you. I don't know. <laughs> see that thin moon on the mountain and see that cold star in the sky. Gonna bring him down, shake him to the ground, put that apple in a pie. Be a rattlesnake. Be a rattlesnake. Back to rattlesnakes. Back to rattlesnakes. See that thin moon. 
dogs, rattlesnakes, pies. I love the put the apple in a pie. That seemed like another thing that he was like, yes, put the apple in the pie. Mm, a euphemism, uh, an allegory, something. It makes sense. It does speak to me of that madness that he has He has become the lizard king. He can do anything. <laughs> he's, he's like, I am so powerful. I've discovered such a power in this lifestyle that I could shake the moon out of the sky if I wanted to. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I get it. It's a bit all over the place, but it, it is cohesive. There's a through line. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rattlesnakes. His rattlesnakes, yeah. Be a rattlesnake. I'm going to start using that as my email sign-off. Be a rattlesnake. Hey, I hope that you got those files. Let me know if they are usable, if you need them in another format. Thanks so much for your work. Be a rattlesnake, Omen. I mean, some people put really absurd things as quotes in their emails. Oh, in their tag. No, I would put it as the, instead of like cordially. Oh, wow. Okay. That is a bold choice. And frankly, if you're not going to go bold with be a rattlesnake, why do it? That's how you do be a rattlesnake. That's it. Yeah. You can't can't be half a rattlesnake. That's true. Just be a rattle. Just going back to what Ian says about this album in Silent Singing, this is more in reference to Undressed Kill and Kissing Willie, but I think it's relevant to the album as a whole. He writes, Stepping into the character of the typical macho male, down at the boozer with his mates recounting body tales is really not me. But there is that element of like, this is an album so far about being a tough guy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Nick, what do we have the pleasure of talking about next week? Next week, we are going to listen with our ears of soft metal to Ears of Tin. I am really excited about that. I listened to this album a lot while I was on vacation. Yeah. And I am particularly excited about Ears of Tin. Nice. Very nice. I am... I am as excited about Ears of Tin as I am excited about the rest of this album. Which is inexpressibly. Eh. (laughs) It's meh. Inexpressibly. (laughs) Until next week, I am a skinned rabbit, Omen Thomas said. I'm the thin moon on the mountain, Nick McGill. This is the cold stew of the feckless momes. And this is also the apple in the pie. Talk tall to me. Come on, Rusty. We got about two hours of daylight left before the wombats come out with their vicious tongues. We gotta bed ourselves down here on somewhere on the rattlesnake trail. Ho! Ho, who, who goes there? Ahoy, stranger on the trail. Oh, I ain't seen you round these parts before, nor never have I not seen a man in six to nine business weeks. Who be ya? What be your business on the Rattlesnake Trail? 
I'm just passing through the rattlesnake trail so that I can find my one true lady love in the town of Oasis that does or does not exist. Oh, uh, oh, you're a brave man to be out there looking for Oasis like that. I saw the bones of Billy Thomas. He was an old tough as a possum. He was out looking for Oasis, and now he's but a bleached pile of dog treats. Are you a possum, stranger? I can assure you I'm much more than a possum. I am at least a raccoon. Oh, you think of yourself as a raccoon. Well, we'll see about that. That I do. You know, uh... You know what they say about a man who's got more knives than fingers? I'm afraid I don't. <laughs> they say that he's like a wild cat, because uh. you never know what tree he's got to drop out of. Ooh, hey, pounce, ooh, hiss, ooh, arch my back. I've always considered myself to be a, a wild cat. I can't help but notice you've only got two fingers, so uh, I think I think you're on to something. But you know, I, I think it takes a little bit more than to be a wild cat out in this oh. this here area. Wild cats oh, are easily cow. preyed upon by uh, hmm. things such as a crazy wild wolf that howls at the moon. You may have heard howls at the moon in the past couple nights, and that in I fact have. was not a pack of wolves, but it was I. Oh, oh, it was you. That was you. Well, I, I tell you what, there, stranger. Old Rusty and I did muchly appreciate the timbre and vibrato what you done put on them, Wolf Howls. And I see by your boots that you truly do have the spirit of the crazy wolf. Uh, and that's all well and good. But you know what's even crazier than a wolf? Do enlighten me. I, even cra a wolf is bound by the confines of the earth. But what's even crazier is a black and brown bat. Ho! Oh, flitting around in a in a black coat. Watch me now. Ah, you could just imagine me flitting around in the darkness. Sometimes maybe when you were camping, you you heard a little a uh, uh, velvet on the on the soft wind and felt something soft brush your cheek like the memory of a distant lover. Is that why there were no mosquitoes in my camp? Because <laughs> I ate them all. You up, ate them all. Because I'm a wild. I'm a crazy bat. Boom! Flap flap. I must say that is very impressive, uh, being very resourceful in, in consuming mosquitoes in the wild. However, a man's got to do what a man's got to do. <laughs> however, something that can fell a man and a wolf and a wildcat and a rattlesnake and a bat all alike. What you talking about? Something not physical, but something that will get in your ears and get into your head. Oh my goodness, you, you talk about the night horrors. You're talking about those things which have no place in earth or under the earth or in heaven or in church. That is correct. It is a podcast, my friend, and I oh. recommend you subscribe to it. Oh, I never thought I would meet a feckless mom out here in the wild. I tip my bandana to ye. Wait a minute. You're not talking about them Nightwalkers, what's his proud members of the Feckless Moms Audio Network, are you? That is right. It is, in fact, talk told to me. I eat my saddle. <laughs>